This episode of the Big 5D Podcast is brought to you by Duda, the website builder trusted by more than 20,000 agencies and SaaS platforms. Every 17 seconds, a new website is created on Duda. To learn more, visit them at duda.co. Also, please diarize the Big 5 Summit, Africa's leading small business technology event. It's coming to Cape Town, 15th, 16th, March, 2023. Visit big5digital.org for details. Hello and welcome to the Big 5D Podcast. I'm Charles Laughlin, Content Director for Big 5 Digital. We have a great guest today. Andrew Katzwinkel is a South African entrepreneur who is on his second startup. His company, Layup Technologies, is part of the Save Now, Buy Later wing of the payments space. Let's hear Andrew tell us more about his company and Save Now, Buy Later. We hope you enjoy the interview. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Charles. Well, afternoon, Charles from South Africa. You founded a company called Layup Technologies. Is that uh, the correct name? Yes, Layup Technologies is the correct name. Yes. Great. Okay, we're going to talk about that for the bulk of this conversation. But before that, just give us a very brief background on you, kind of where you grew up, what you did before you founded this company, that sort of thing. Sure. So um, I'm born and bred uh, South African. Um, I've got a German heritage. Uh, so I've got some family from overseas, but I'm born and bred South African. And um, I, I, I really uh, studied um, at uh, a place called Vega, got an honors degree at Vega, then um, embarked on a journey overseas where I managed to get some uh, overseas experience uh, working abroad. Um, which then led me back to South Africa uh, where I needed to get some land experience and um, just get some more business experience in, in the workforce. And through that time, uh, I really uh, started working on various concepts um, and which led me to um, launching my first business, which was in the travel industry. Um, I launched my first venture around seven years ago. And then from there, uh, moved in uh, to the layup business um, about four years ago. Oh, okay, great. So um, the first business that you founded was in the travel space. So when you think about entrepreneurship, do you think about solving uh, a problem that you're personally interested in or solving a problem that you just happen to identify? Can you talk about well, the, the well, emotional process of, the, of discovering a startup idea? Sure, of course. So, so it all identified and, and, and it started off with uh, identifying a problem. Um, and, and really the problem that we started working on within the travel business really stemmed into the formation of, of the layout business. So, so uh, you know, with a lot of ideas and, and, and a lot of first uh, startup ideas, you know, they, they, you start with one thing and that really molds and shapes uh, based on on what the market is saying and, and your customers. Um, and, and that's exactly really what happened with my journey. So the, the travel business, uh, it, it was called FOMO Travel, Fear of Missing Out. And that's what um, travel is all travel. about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and what we offered uh, was, was uh, a unique value proposition was payment plans, interest-free payment plans for the travel industry. So one could now book a, a travel experience today uh, when they were only going to travel, say, in six months' time and start paying in interest-free installments towards that okay, future so travel. Okay, so that is sort of like lay-by for travel. 
Correct, correct. Mm. It was it was really the the MVP or or kind of the testing ground for us to to test the the solution that we're working on today, okay. and that 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 business was a B two C company. It was an online travel agency and allowed us to procure packages and sell them in a payment plan uh, format. And we did things like uh, destination weddings and group travel packages, and it was the perfect. Uh, technology and solution for for people that couldn't afford the, the travel experience up front and needed to pay for it in a bunch of installments they had an um, income stream but they didn't have a large amount of money sitting around co- correct and yeah. and you you would really see from a, a, a you know that fear of missing out a lot of people would talk about travel but mm-hmm. never ever end up doing that booking getting to go with their buddies or or with their girlfriend overseas um, until mm-hmm. you really realize that if you could uh, find a, a interest-free kind of savings vehicle, that would uh, definitely help you get to going on that travel experience. Okay, so what happened to FOMO? So unfortunately, COVID. Um, it yeah, was, COVID wasn't great for it, travel. It, <laughs> it, it was a demise of of yeah. uh, the, the the travel startup, but. Um, it, it, it was very lucky for us, um, uh, you know, serendipitous in, in that we had started working on the layup technology and concept um, in 2019. Um, From the inside the, you had at FOMO. Co- correct. So, okay. so through, through, through FOMO, we, we were working on the, the, the system, which is Layup Technologies today. And, and Layup, we're going to get into it now, is a, is a fully built cloud-based uh, recurring payment system um, that, that really can cater for any type of prepayment uh, service offering a, a business wants to offer um, and and we'll get into that now but it was it was through the the, the learnings and the the early stages of the travel business that we identified that we needed in order to scale a, a recurring payment system that could cater for for the collections of these payments the reconciliation and the settlements over to the the businesses that we had partnered with and then it um, applies to more than just travel. It can be used for and, and and it was in that time that we were like, hold on, this this can actually uh, is a B two B B two C solution, and it can actually be catered across vertical, right. not only in travel. Um, and our, obviously, from the travel industry, our 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 idea was to launch into uh, servicing travel providers. Um, and that quickly changed as as COVID hit um, for for so many. Um, we had to immediately pivot and and move into the retail sector, right. and that's where we really honed into our digital labor product. Um, and it's it's kind of our flagship product at the moment in terms of where we distributed across e-commerce businesses okay. in the market. Yeah. Uh, okay. So so I want to pause and just sort of set up layup uh, a little bit. Um, from my perspective, from the and perhaps for the audience's benefit, um, so there's something out there called buy now, pay later that everyone is familiar with. I think uh, at least you sh- if you listen to this podcast, chances are you're familiar, very familiar cool. with buy now, pay later. If you're a consumer, more than likely you've had it offered to you at some point while you're making a purchase, whether it's for a plane ticket uh, or a piece of jewelry or a piece of clothing or whatever it is, anything worth more than a, a small amount of money. Um, Essentially, so what you've come up with 
something that was commonly referred to as save now buy later. It's sort of the the buy now pay later is always referenced lay by as its sort of analog origins, right? And what you're doing is actually truly a digital version of lay by. Lay by, as everyone sort of knows, especially older folks, is that back before e-commerce, you would go to a shop and say, I want that uh, piece of furniture. Here's a deposit. I'm going to come every week and give you a little bit of money until it's paid off, and then I'll collect that piece of furniture. That's lay by, essentially. Um, Correct. Well, you've, you've digitized that process, essentially. And it's sort of the opposite of buy now, pay later, which buy now, pay later, you take possession of the goods immediately, whether it's a piece of clothing or whatever else it might be. And then you pay it off in a set of fixed installments. And it has become controversial because it generally hasn't involved credit checks. It's seen as uh, uh, contributing to increased indebtedness, particularly among younger consumers, for which buy now, pay later has been extremely popular. So, so yeah. take it from there. Tell me what, you know, how, how your observations about buy now, pay later have influenced the development of your, your company now. Sure. So, so really like the, the main driver uh, sits within the, the economy that we, we in South Africa um, and, and really identifying um, the, the total addressable market. So if we look at the total addressable market, there's actually a far majority of our population that actually sits in the non-credit worthy consumer base. Um, therefore, really, um, when you look at our active credit users, which is really a lot of players all kind of going after the same consumer base, it's very crowded um, and, it's, and it's a diminishing number. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we kind of taken a bit of a longer term view and, and identified a, a much larger market whereby we can service them through a save now buy later model which is in a, a low-risk, interest-free savings vehicle where people are deferring the, 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 the collection of their item but have, have the flexibility to pay the way that they want to um, amend, cancel, or extend their, the, those payment plans. Um, you also find if you're doing quite a like-for-like correlation between BNPL and SNPL is that um, a lot of our uh, customers are are saving towards much higher value purchases where where BNPL wouldn't really be in that category of, um, you know, a much smaller media type of gratification type item. Mm. So so when you're looking at uh, things like engagement rings um, to to even things like funeral plots here in South Africa, um, these are very high value purchases where now consumers can now uh, uh, set up an interest-free solution whereby they can pay over a much longer term. This also taps into your uh, foreigner market, um, your Gen Z market that you hasn't yet actually got a credit rating and got into the workforce, and then your non your your non-credit worthy customers, which is a, which is a large uh, amount of people in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's really it's really focusing on, on trying to shift the behavior of of consumers to to say, look, there there is an alternative um, to credit. And and this is a solution that um, will allow you to pay really over a period of time in the way that you want to. Right. Um, the, the, yeah. So it taps into a little bit. It taps a little bit into the, uh, I don't know what the right term is, uh, ethos of BNPL in the sense that 
you know you're going to make a certain number of payments digitally and then you will be able to have this thing that you can't buy outright right so yes, it, it's all but, it's, but, it pushes but, that button just the same as bnpl but it does it in a different the big difference from my perspective is when do you collect the goods right and yeah, that, so you you're going to collect the goods at the end, but you're going to use your cash flow right. um, and and your regular salary and your income that you're getting in in order to make that purchase. Which most people would perceive they're doing forward. with BNPL as well, right? Except they're taking the well, goods immediately, so it's credit versus savings, right? Co- correct. You mm-hmm. are still having to um, go through the various uh, uh, light credit checks. You do have to be a South African citizen or a citizen of your country in order to use the product. Um, you, you, th- there is a KYC pro- uh, process that that has to be formed, um, and and then there are penalties if that person misses a payment and, and misses the term. There's late fees and interest. Right. Charged. That is where the controversy so, often lies uh, with BMW. Co- correct, uh, exactly. So, so it's not in, entirely correct in that if the person is unable to pay, that then interest is not charged onto that consumer. Uh, whereas in our solution, there's no interest ever paid. The customer goes through no credit checks. It's instant approval. And that customer has the ability to cancel and change their mind at any given time. With a refund. Is there, is there a... Correct. Co- correct with a refund. Um, refund or do you take a fee off of that if they cancel so, after? So, so Layup wouldn't take a fee. The, the business might be, right. be able to apply a cancellation fee based on what vertical they are in. Um, this is made transparent to the customer at front before. Okay. So they know um, the cost uh, of cancellation. Yeah, yeah. Co- correct. Uh, but in most cases, you're looking at a 0% cancellation fee and the customer gets all their money back. Okay, I have a few questions. Uh, first is, you mentioned funeral plots and engagement rings, which are two high-value high items, uh, not considered particularly perishable. <laughs> I would I would hope we wouldn't consider those perishable. Um, yeah. Talk about where else this uh, model that you're putting out so, there is, so, is gaining so, traction. Uh, so, so if you really look at the labor market, um, it, it's a it's a widely used payment method in South Africa. Right. Um, the 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 issue with it is that it's not digitized and automated. It's a it's a very administrative um, process. There's little cards the in a box behind the counter, and and a co- 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 correct. And it, t- yeah. it takes about fifteen to twenty minutes for the uh-huh. customer to activate. They can only activate in store. They can't do it online until mm-hmm. we were really in the market. Um, and then once that customer had activated mm-hmm. via that deposit payment, be it cash or, or card. They, they are required to retain that slip for that period of time and are required to come back to make a subsequent payment for that for that labor. Hmm. Sometimes making the the storm the the taxi ride more expensive than the installment itself. So so you're actually not providing a very convenient um, uh, trustworthy reliable uh, uh, payment solution for these types of customers. So what we've what we're doing is really um, advancing that 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 payment offering and um, taking it online as well as digitizing it from an in-store point of view through through our either our direct integration in our APIs or through our terminal or merchant app that uh, recently won a, an award at the MTN app of the uh, awards uh, this year. Talk about your partnership ecosystem. What kind of deals do you have to make to advance your business and make it scale? Yeah, so we are a B2B, B2C company. Um, therefore, we need to work with businesses and partner with businesses um, 
we really work across verticals from different industries and different sizes of businesses. Um, the 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 yeah the where we at is that we around have integrated around 400 businesses onto our online e-commerce stores. Um, we are we have piloted our uh, in-store app, uh, which more recently won that MTN App of the Year award. That is now starting to really scale out from an in-store point of view, um, and and we're looking to really scale that across the country. Um, We've partnered with uh, DashPay and African Resonance, which are a large credit card terminal provider. These POS providers um, have got a large distribution of terminals in the market, and our technology has been built onto these terminals now to allow business. Okay, to so fintech is a big labor. is a big area for you. Uh, point of sale yeah. software and hardware solutions is one Correct. is one so area where you want to uh, build relationships. Integration. Okay. Yeah, build yeah. relationships and integrate in. Um, this will advance the 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 labor offering uh, for for those businesses. Um, it will digitize it and centralize it across their business. So essentially, now um, activating a labor within less than sixty seconds, allowing that customer to pay in multiple payment methods, uh, be it cash, card, um, instant EFT, or debit check. And once activated, they are then able to make instant uh, interest-free payments online from the comfort of their home, as well as cash acceptance points across the country. So through ATMs and spaza shops and money market accounts. Okay. Um, this really just creates that convenience for that customer to rather just pop down the, to their spaza shop um, in, in, in their township in order to make for uh, make a lay-by payment as opposed to taking a taxi all the way back to the store just to make an installment. Okay. Um, this really drives the convenience and, and really provides a, a opportunity for a business to, to uh, grow their sales and their market. Now, I want to talk about how you take this across the continent or whatever your geographic ambitions are. Talk about where you are. First, let's establish what your ambitions are. Where are you now operating now? Where where do you think this business goes geographically? Ultimately, sure. So we 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 see it as an Africa play first. Um, we we want to scale up up through Africa. We think it's a very large untapped market, um, a market that is. Um, on the precipice of change, um, just in South Africa alone, I think over the next you know five years we're going to see a massive shift in, in in the financial services space. A huge amount of consumers that have previously been invisible or underbanked um, coming more online. Um, what's, and, what's driving uh, that? Is that just driven by GDP growth? Is what is what drives that indicator that you're citing here? I, I, I think I think really the the the, the many drivers, but you you have a, um, a definitely a transformation of more people getting access to smartphones, um, okay. uh, more access to internet, um, a better systems, um, uh, you know, through government to to enterprise businesses that are able to capture the correct information and details of, of customers, uh, as well as your, your, your banking environments. Um, your banking environments are, are, um, are actually incredible in, in, in South Africa and the, the payment rails that we have um, are, are very advanced. So mm-hmm. this, this is quite a well-established uh, financial sector um, that gives us a lot of opportunity to, to collaborate and work with, with these types of um, enterprise uh, businesses to, to launch and scale um, innovation in the market. 
Okay. All right. Now we've talked to already mentioned by now pay later a bunch of times, but um, well, actually before I ask you to, about, we're gonna about, have, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to shift you over to the SNBL market soon, Charles. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, I know that's your objective. <laughs> um, outside of Africa, where I mean, there are some save now, buy later plays. There's one in North America called Accrued Savings, I believe, and then I know we talked about this before. There's a bunch in India. I think not a lot in Africa, if any, other than you. Um, where do you, uh, again? W- w- do you anticipate more competition? That's an easy question. And then where does this make sense outside of Africa in your view? And do you think your company will be one of the ones participating outside of Africa? Um, yeah. So, so I, I think we've, we've got some uh, pretty ambitious um, uh, strategy plans and growth plans. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely see this as a, as a global opportunity. I think debt is um, in every country um so your signal is consumer debt where consumer debt is large and where financial participation is low is that a good signal that that market might have some potential for those yeah those would definitely be indicators um Mm -hmm. definitely be indicators to look at um, amongst others um you know but Right, right now, first our feet are squarely on the ground. We we're getting the technology right in a, in an advanced environment. Mm-hmm. Um, if we get it right here, um, we we don't see why we don't have the opportunities to to scale this to many places of the world. Um, as as I said, we think that that uh, there, there's a market shift towards um, alternative payments. Um, uh, uh, there's a there's a shift towards um, more transparent uh, types of financial services mm-hmm. and um hopefully uh what we're doing is is a start of of some of that exciting alternative options well nick molnar who runs one of your uh a massive bnpl platform called afterpay which was sold to square which is not a bnpl but it's a massive fintech um used the term debit economy i don't know if he coined that term is that a term that has resonance from what you're trying to do? Are you familiar with the term? Debit debit account? Debit economy. The idea where a generation of consumers wants to prefers to pay with cash and debit versus credit. And that is he cited that as a driver of the creation of buy now, pay later. But that the high idea that there's an uh, ethos of trying to create a financial life that is divorced from credit to, to, to the largest degree possible. And that's a particular ethos among younger consumers. And Nick Molnar, a big founder in BNPL, used that as a signal that he was onto something. I'm wondering if you sort of see similar evidence in, in the marketplace. Part, part of that and 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 uh, the digitization of cash. Right. Is, Essentially, is a, yeah. Ma- yeah. Yeah, which is, which is exactly to your point. Um, yeah. But... In South Africa, there is still a huge cash um, uh, uh, injection around the economy. If anything, in some ways, it's growing. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, th- this is a, a for a consumer to be invisible and 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 to buy things um, w- without any uh, interaction with with kind of records that mm-hmm. that are happening. The, this this kind of transformation into financial inclusion. Is going to start 
um, assisting consumers to move away from, from those cash payments and have those pass, cash payments either recorded um, through, through, through systems like Layer. Yeah. The, this is really going to start then forming a, a footprint of these types of consumers to eventually help them to be more uh, financially included in the economy, at which point uh, they can be in a more responsible way, uh, uh, know what to do with, with financial products like BNPL and, and revolving credits and, uh, and the likes within the market. Okay. Because BNPL came on the scene as a quote unquote financially responsible alternative to revolving credit. That um, narrative has taken some, some punches over the last year or so. And we're starting to see regulatory uh, intervention uh, in Australia. I think the UK, I I know the U S at least has uh, started to look at it. I don't know if there's any regulations uh, pending right now, at least at a federal level. But there's certainly an effort to evaluate what regulations make sense for BNP. There's a desire to regulate, I believe. I think it's fair to say. Um, sure. What regulation, if any, do you anticipate for your slice of? So, uh, so, uh, so, so uh, I would say we we follow a regulation already. Uh, we are a TPP. Uh, third-party payment provider, um, and and we're not offering credit. Um, we don't offer credit in our product. So so from the changes that the upcoming changes that are are planning to come um, would wouldn't affect us. Um, the 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 mere fact that uh, uh, BNPL is a postpaid offering that offers offers credit and charges interest and late fees on missed payments uh, makes it a credit offering. And um, I understand the 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 kind of um, uh, need to to have marketed in, as an interest free solution that that um, you know is is a, a better form of labor, but but effectively over the time um, through through the various regulations they've identified that that's not the case, and that that a lot of people are creating. Um, uh, and putting themselves into more unwarranted debt, and that the fact that they're not going through any type of formal credit check is making the credit bureaus uh, unaware of what's going on with with this um, uh, overload of of debt that's in the market. This can then eventually start cripple crippling um, economies and and creating massive bubbles. It can be. That, a, okay, I was about uh, to that, use the term bubble. It can be an unseen uh, hazard, unseen, right? Yeah, correct, correct. Unseen hazard that could that could expand and 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 you know in, in a lot of ways um, something that we 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 probably still going to see come out in the wash because the scale of it really happened over the 2020 year and a better part of actually last year. It's only really this year that um, a lot of uh, the flack has started coming in. Also, due to the due to the the looming recession that the the, the kind of world economy is, is starting to face. Now, let's um, not create self fulfilling so, prophecies, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 which we which we hope we we do avoid, but yeah. um, it 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 doesn't. It, when when you start looking at um, a situation where you've got rising interest. Um, the the model itself in BNPL needs to be addressed because it um, it is a loss making um, revenue model. Um, at what at at, at how, how long is a piece of string 
until until you 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 need to turn your business into profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're losing one to two percent on every transaction that that's happening, so so I I, I fear for them in, in terms of the interest rates and, and and then difficulty for consumers to make repayments right. in, in the future because it it, it then it then turns um, the the model and environment into a different place. Why is your model a better business from the investor's perspective, from your perspective as a founder? Well, because it's it's actually sitting on its reverse, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes it a positive generating model. Um, we, we are uh, not charging the consumer anything. It's free for the consumer to use our mm-hmm. services, uh, uh, 100% free to use it. Um, and we charge the business, very similarly to, to how your BNPLs would, would naturally charge or, or a payment gateway would charge. Um, so essentially, the, the, it's the business that we are, are, are charging for, for the use of our services. And the money that we collect in a lot of instances is held within our, 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 our treasury trust accounts, which, which gather interest over time. And, and that, that, that um, in itself, when, when there's high, a rising interest rates actually becomes more of a positive thing for, for our environment. And, and that's, that's really the, the nuts and bolts of it. It's, it's, a, it's a huge um, cash float environment that uh, snowballs over a period of time as we scale the business. Okay, so a couple of final questions, one of which is you, we, you had a conversation earlier where you talked about cash, and I've had conversations with people from micro, excuse me, from MasterCard who declared cash as their enemy, essentially the enemy to their business over over time, I guess historically and over time. Uh, how do you view cash, this whole cash versus cashless debate in Africa, but in general, and how does your business think about cash? Yeah, so so uh, I mean, really, for us, we we've identified that um, South Africa is moving a lot slower than the rest of the world in terms of digitizing cash. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 consumer is not reacting in the same way as as kind of your first world um, uh, markets have have kind of taken it on. Um, consumers are are uh, generally, especially at your kind of um, lower uh, lower tier consumers are are banked, but are taking the entire cash um, salary out in, in in one kind of withdrawal from an ATM. And and the reason for that is because you've got two different real environments. Is that you've got your your upper tier environment wanting to digitize cash because it's it's more of a convenience. It's 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 cheaper. Um, it's, it's less security. There's many benefits for doing that. But where whereas your lower tier are still having to pay their rent in cash. They're still having to take the taxi in cash. They're still having to uh, pay for goods and, and services in, in, in their township environment with, with, with cash payments. Mm-hmm. So, so these two worlds have, have not actually merged with one another properly. And um, we, we need products and, and solutions similar to, to Layup where um, a consumer now is not forced to, to um, not pay in cash, but is, can pay in cash for, for example, lay buys in a much more convenient way by 
putting the, the cash into an ATM and, and having it paid towards their, their online labor or, or paying it at, at a, at a spaza shop and getting a voucher so that they can pay online. Mm -hmm. This eventually starts the transformation of that, that consumer that's been using payment methods like a labor for the last 50 years uh, to, to, to get the trust to say, I'm now going to move on to digital payments and, and pay, pay via online, online transactions. Um, and and that's still still some time away for for the South African markets. And if we can uh, really drive that message, drive that type of behaviour, then we will start seeing the the transformation and cre and creation of financial inclusion in, in South Africa. All right. And then one final question: you, You're on your second startup, though the two seem to have sort of had a through line, right? But um, <laughs> Being a tech startup founder, venture funded tech startup founder is a very challenging lifestyle. What what are two or three pieces of advice you would give to a younger person who's considering becoming a entrepreneur or a tech founder? Um, first one would would be for I mean, if if you're not willing to get off your chair to to try, you're never going to know. Mm -hmm. So, so basically, um, if you just talk about your idea and, and, and have no, uh, you get this positive feedback, but you have no kind of real willingness to actually make it happen. Um, then, then it's never going to happen. So, mm -hmm. so how, how, how strong is the idea? How strong is the why? And if that why is, is strong enough, um, then you need to get off your chair to, to actually even make it happen. Uh, I think the second part would be um, uh, finding your your founding team, and that you 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 don't realize how, the importance of uh, creating a strong a founding team from the beginning. And um, everyone has got different skill sets within running a company, and you need to identify what what are strong skill sets that you have, mm -hmm. and then what are the complementary skill sets that you need around you in order to actually uh, put together a strong founding team. Um, and then the third one would be like it's a hell of a roller coaster. So <laughs> enjoy the ride. Um, you're going to go through massive ups and massive downs. Right. Um, the ups make it worth it. Um, the downs um, uh, can be some very dark days, but the ups uh, at the end of the day make, make right. it all worth it. So resilience is a big component here. Um, drive, yeah, no, resilience, and then um, having the humility to uh, assemble a team that um, fills the gaps in your skill set. Is that that's another way of framing what you said, but. Uh, yeah, uh, because every team, right? They need a technologist and a great salesperson. If that's all wrapped into one body, that's great, but often not, right? And um, so you have to have those pieces assembled in the founding team. And I imagine any investor would agree with that uh, for sure. All right, Andrew, I think we're going to end it here. I really appreciate you coming on yeah. the podcast, telling us a little bit about layup. I think uh, my personal opinion is that uh, we're going to see more. Uh, companies like yours popping up on the uh, African landscape over the next couple of years, uh, assuming that consumers see the benefit in using save now, buy later versus buy now, pay later. I, I hate, sorry to keep framing that as a binary uh, because I know I mean, never I, quite I, mean, that I don't, simple, I, I, I don't think that it is going to be really one or the other. We are mm -hmm. an alternative. Uh, the consumer needs to be able to make those choices.
Right. Um, and and that's that's what we're motivating for is that credit credit is is required um, all through your life. Um, it's how how that credit is applied is the important part. Um, and and um, allow the consumer that that consumer sovereignty to to uh, be able to make the choice to to pay the way that they want to. All right, great. Thank you for clarifying that, Andrew. Thank you very much for your time. It was great having you. Fantastic, Charles. Thanks very much.